Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Bellinas. It's one of those magical place names that conjures up the Bay Area's illustrious past as home to artists and poets. A 1971 anthology of Bellinas poetry, On the Mesa, has been reissued for its 50th anniversary. We talk with its editors and the legendary poet and activist Anne Waldman, who spent time in the West Marin town. And then we have the co-directors of the Oakland Theater Project's play, Begin the Begin, written by Kathleen Collins, a groundbreaking black writer and director whose work explores the life of the mind within a world of constraint. That's all next on Forum, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Bellinas, writes English professor Professor Lytle Shaw, is the only instance I could think of where a town was essentially governed by poets. Shaw's thoughts are part of a new anniversary edition of On the Mesa, an anthology of Bellinas writing, originally published in 1971 and featuring the work of a remarkable group of poets living in or near Bellinas in the late 60s and 70s, including Diane DePrima, Philip Whalen, Robert Creeley, Joanne Kiger, well, and Waldman, of course, and other icons of the period. We'll talk about the Bellinas scene, the new edition of the anthology, and capturing Bellinas counterculture through its poetry. We're joined by Ben Estes, the editor of On the Mesa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Joel Wisehouse, edited, who edited the original anthology of Bellinas Poets and is now a lecturer at Pacifica Graduate Institute. Welcome. Uh, nice joining you. And Anne Waldman, a poet and author of more than 40 collections of poetry who directs the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poets Summer Writing Program in Boulder, Colorado. Thanks for coming on, in. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So, Anne, let's, let's start with you. Imagine someone has never seen nor heard of Bellinas in the 60s and 70s. What would you tell them about that time and place? Very special place. Uh, yes, it was run by poets, essentially, and also activists and people very, very involved with the health and well-being of that community. Uh, the discourse when you'd go was incredible. I, I, I remember sitting in the living rooms thinking, why aren't they outside more? This is like New York. Any case, um, yeah, very, very special place. Uh, we use the phrase temporary autonomous zone often, which is, uh, you know, not institutionalized, not prescribed, not, uh, you know, hierarchical. So that was very, very refreshing. And I had several 
stints there. I was able to rent places occasionally, stay with friends. And it was a rare opportunity to be, you know, with Joanne Kiger, Philip Whale, and others who were not on the East Coast so much. But yeah. the the um, conversation was always there. How did you the, first get out to the to the Bay Area and to Bolinas? I first came to the Berkeley Poetry Conference in 1965. I was still in, I don't know, it was 19, 18, 19. Uh, traveled out there, hitchhiked then from there to um, Mexico. Very um, important, sort of, you know, life-changing kind of experience. But I had been reading some of the uh, West Coast poets and very connected to the, you know, next generation's of what we call the new American poetry, which included the Beats, the New York School, uh, Bolinas, which had an uh, uh, assortment of folk relating also to those trajectories, the San Francisco Renaissance, Black Mountain. So these were very important experimental and what I call, you know, poets of the outrider tradition, not outside, but riding alongside, uh, not so involved with, you know, messaging and, and themes, but very open poetics, composition mm. by field. Um, Do you want to read yeah. one of the poems that is now included in this new anthology? I think we, maybe Jolt? Okay, I'd like to do that. It's, That'd from, be great. it's from 1971, so it's a, you know, kind of early poem. Jolt, man grappling with wasp. Bolinas, summer 1968, is not the same man grappling with the same wasp, Bolinas, summer 1971. Same man, different wasp, beware the different wasp, her bite. Bite sandwich with gusto, put swimsuit on, re-enter water in being in with you. All equally talented hotshots, stand out from the crowd. All equally talented lettuce and tomato sandwiches with cloud. Equally talented Jim Morrison dead in bath. Riders on the storm, riders on the storm into this world we're thrown. A temperature jolt, dead, death. Be still, being very still. Thank you. What are you reading that now? What do you think about? Well, it's a great little memory jolt back to that time. I feel even for me, I know I, it's, I can't even relate to it personally in a way so much has come since, but I can relate to the experience. Do you know, I don't necessarily remember writing it probably mm -hmm. jotted in a notebook, but it's very vivid. You know, the day Morrison died, July 3rd, the, um, you know, this sort of being, you know, recognized as being back in Bolinas. Kind of a of way that. of, yeah, trips there kind of like measuring your your years as you were kind of growing up. Exactly. No, a lot of us were becoming poets together. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, I was already by, um, we had founded the Poetry Project in New York City at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery. And many of the Bolinas poets had come through and given readings Joanne Kiger was in the in the city for a little bit, but the magazines I was editing always included, you know, our West Coast, um, you know, compañeros, compañeros. Mm -hmm. There was a sense of the extension between coast to coast, and this is all before internet, of course. 
Yeah. Joe, um, how did you find your way to Bolinas? Uh, well, I was invited to uh, live with uh, John Amago Doss. We're really, the house is really the center of the poetry scene there. Um, uh, so I'm trying to think about this thing. Phil <laughs> uh, Whalen had gone to Japan and he had been living there. And the Doss has asked me to take his place in the house. Tell me about how you put together this original edition of the book. Like, how did it, did you just go around town, like, saying, hey, anyone have any poems you want to publish? Or was it yeah, submission yeah, process? Exact, yeah, that's about exactly how it was done. No one seemed to be doing it. I realized it was a very important time in the history of uh, American poetry. All these great poets were living there. And so I took the initiative and went around. And they were very generous, all of them. Nobody said, oh, why are you doing the anthology? Uh, they all gave me manuscripts, which I took to uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti. And interestingly enough, it originally was the Bellinus Poets. And he said, well, I don't publish uh, books on particular places. So I said, well, also on the Mesa's on my mind. He said, oh, if that's the title, I'll publish it. That's the way Lawrence was. Yeah. And so uh, it went ahead. And when it came out, was this a book that sort of circulated around Bolinas or the country? Or did, uh, did do you feel like a lot of people ended up reading it in the end, other poets? Well, I, I think it did, uh, although it didn't go into a second edition. Fairly getting refused to keep it in uh, print. Uh, Alan, not Alan Ginsberg, um, Gary Snyder told me that most uh, anthologies are dead me, but this one isn't. So that was high praise. Yeah. You know, you were 32 when you edited this book. Um, has the meaning of the sort of object itself and the poems inside it, how much has that changed for you over time? Uh, I don't know what you mean. Well, just when you look at it now, do you, is it purely a nostalgic object, or do you find that the poems inside still still resonate with you, or you see new things within those poems? Well, first of all, thanks to Ben, the, the whole book has been uh, rebirthed. So we look at it in a different context. The original poems are in the context of a larger vision now. And uh, Ferlin Getty refused to uh, put people who have connections with Polinus, but didn't live there. So it was a smaller edition. And as I said, thanks to Ben, uh, this is what is much wider now. Yeah. Much ben, more of an historical context. Ben, let's hear from you. Do you wish you could have been in Bolinas at that time? Ooh, that's a tricky <laughs> question. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I grew up not far from there, um, just north of there a little bit in Katadi. And my parents had an ice cream store in Bodega Bay. And my brother lived in Point Reyes for a while. So I definitely kind of, I just, there's part of my heart that is still definitely there. Um, but I came to the anthology probably 45 years after it was published, you know? And I was totally drawn to it because of, it was Anthology of Bolinas Poets. And I was really excited to see it and read it. It must have and been, then, go ahead. Well, as a publisher, seeing that the 50th anniversary was coming up, it felt like a really exciting opportunity to kind of revisit it. And I felt like there were things in the world 
that were happening in 71 that were kind of happening again in 2021, the kind of illogicalness. <laughs> Nixon was president, the Vietnam War, um, Trump, um, COVID. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite from the original, but is there something that when you, you picked up the original anthology, you thought like, ooh, this, this is like re-narrating the landscape of my childhood in a way that I find exciting? Well, just, I mean, from the very beginning, um, what is it, Michael Bond's poem, The Moon of Black Cherries, which is a little long to read on, on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it immediately, I mean, was, it transported me back. Absolutely. Um, we have a comment. Martine tweets, Loving Ann Waldman on forum right now about the poetics of my hometown. So thrilled by the attention this collection is getting, the poetry of this rural West Coast place matters. What's your favorite poet from the era and why? Do you have a favorite Bellinus memory from that time? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. We're talking about the Bellinus literary scene in the 1960s and 70s and a new edition of an anthology that captured Bellinus counterculture through its poetry, we're joined by Ben Estes, editor on the Mesa, an anthology of Bellinus writing, Joe Weishaus, who edited the original anthology of Bellinus poets, and of course, the great Ann Waldman. We'll be back with more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the Bellinus literary scene in the 60s and 70s in a new edition of an anthology that captured Bellinus counterculture through its poetry. We're joined by Ben Estes, editor of the new edition, Joel Weishaus, who edited the original anthology of Bellinus Poets, and the poet Anne Waldman. Um, ben, you added uh, a bunch more poems into this new edition. Um, what was the thinking behind the new inclusions? And then I think we're going to hear uh, a cut after we set it up. Great. Well, again, thinking about the 50th anniversary and the possibility of reissuing it, um, I actually went to Anne and to Lewis Warsh first to kind of help me brainstorm and think about other people that were there in the area at the time, people that they thought might be included, and kind of started my research off of the list that the three of us had made up. It also seems that um, you added a lot more women to this edition relative to the to the original. 
I did. I tried as much as I could. Um, again, with Anne and Lewis's help, um, to try to gather up as many people as possible. Sure. Yeah. Um, one of those new additions, uh, Diane De Prima. We do have a cut of her reading um, one of the poems that's in the anthology, Revolutionary Letter Number Four. Let's uh, take a listen to that. Left to themselves, people grow their hair. Left to themselves, they take off their shoes. Left to themselves, they make love, sleep easily, share blankets, dope, and children. They are not lazy or afraid. They plant seeds, they smile, they speak to one another. The word coming into its own, touch of love on the brain, the ear. We return with the sea, the tides. We return as often as leaves, as numerous as grass, gentle, insistent. We remember the way our babes toddled barefoot through the cities of the universe. Ann Waldman, as you listen to that, what do you what do you think about this poem and, and Diane de Prima's poem generally? I love her poetry. She was one of the early founders of the Jack Kerouac School at Naropa. We just had a wonderful symposium on her work, and the students created a whole uh, magazine around revolutionary letters and their own revolutionary letters. It's very, you know, current. I'm in a place where, you know, we get uh, warnings about weather, about fires, about storms, and so you want to be prepared and ready. Uh, she's a, you know, a, a remarkable poet and many other things, activist, uh, editor. She edited one of the most important early magazines with Amiti Baraka, Floating Bear, and so on. So, you know, incredible history there. And, and it's very important that she's in that book, I think. She spent a lot of time in the um, West Coast area, and that was really her home. She was also the you know, the Poet Laureate of San Francisco. So Let's, we celebrated her. I'm so glad I was able to hear that clip. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Sharon uh, from Oakland, welcome to the show. Fabulous job. Oh. Just want you to know. <laughs> Hi, Sharon. Um, you I'm want really, to tell us that again? I don't think I could. we could hear that. Oh, I said, uh, I, I was a big fan of Michael Krasny, but you're doing a fabulous job. So I'm a regular listener and will continue to be so. <laughs> well, now I'm, I'm glad I asked, for sure. Um, thanks a lot. I um, go to ahead. Say hi to Ann Waldman. I'm a former student of hers at, at Naropa, and she really got me writing, and I've continued to write. I'm going to be 70, and I'm uh, about to publish some short stories that I'm writing. So you got me on the path. Thank you. Hey, Sharon, do you ever go out to Bolinas from Oakland to uh, just try and pick up some inspiration? Yes, I do. I love that area. I, I'm very inspired by that. And But mostly I write about dogs and cats these days. But anyway, Excellent subject. my inspiration yeah. lately. <laughs> um, but thank you, Anne, so much for your in, in, early inspiration of my writing. Thank you. Picking up. And you also, um, you've been teaching for, for a lot of years and have, you know, brought a lot 
of uh, writers into the into the world of letters. Um, has has your teaching changed at all, or do you think that the the kind of teaching that you did of poetry, you know, when you first started the the school, is kind of the same that you're doing now, or have you had to to change or adjust as a result of kind of changing times? Well, we've had to work with new technologies. I'm not teaching full time. I basically you know, oversee and curate the summer writing program. And I'm working on a beautiful uh, solution to to preserve and save our extraordinary archive. We have an amazing archive of recordings since the first year, since the Mm -hmm. early summer with people like John Cage and William Burroughs and so on. So there's a plan afoot to partner with another institution that can take proper care and that's very much needed. I mean, we were accredited about 10 years into the project and that changed things up a bit, you know, more meetings, more uh, rules, this and that, so on. I mean, we began it as a, uh, you know, a vision of community and it certainly stayed that. And, you know, there've been many um, books of collections, anthologies and so on. So much of the Bellinas world has been part of the, um, Kerouac School over the years, including Diane and Joanne, very, very important, very primary to the whole vision. But my teaching is, I'm, I'm trying to stay very informed about, you know, I love reading work of younger writers. Um, think it's an amazing time to be a writer in the world. I think of poetry as the pre-religion. It's so important to our humanity, to our consciousness. Our slogan at Naropa is, you know, people say, what, how do you teach poetry or why, or why are you even doing this? And, you know, we, Alan and I always spoke of um, poetry is here to help wake the world up to itself. So for example, in this Bellinas book, you're, you know, you're touching on incredible, intimate, um, minute particulars of life living in this, you know, extraordinary place in a community with a, a real ethos, a real conversation, you know, intellect is shining through, but not in an academic setting, uh, not sort of hampered by, you know, critical theory language, which is important. But, you know, you feel you're, you're hearing the first, um, uh, you know, first thought, best thought in some cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm teaching a range of things I love to when I'm, uh, you know, doing the summer and I travel. I love to do residencies and create work. I'm also working on um, my own work long new poem for penguin and so on. So it, you know, I, I love this tentacular life and Bellinas has been so much a part of that. I just wish I could be out there. <laughs> and I want to say the, the thing, the ecology is so important because the people there, and it's reflected in that book, in the, in the poems you read, you know, we're very connected to where they were. There's a, you know, a, a sort of sacred sense of the place and of its, um, you know, how it, how it survived. I just remember walking along the beach and looking at the agates, these extraordinary agates along the Bellinas beach and seeing them as eyes. They were like eyes coming up out of the earth, out of the water, you know, a lot of magic there. Yeah. So an incredible ideal place for poets. And, you know, again, invoking the temporary autonomous zone, it's not lasting forever, but it is an, in the sense of the continuum and the threads that you want to leave behind to hopefully you know, future civilizations that are not just involved with their own human supremacy, you'll be, you know, it brings you back in touch with a a particular place and its ecology. Yeah. Um, Let's hear uh, from Joel. I'd like to have him read his poem, Eucalyptus. 
Okay, very short one. Down south to tall forests, Harry, Girard, all eucalyptus and Pendleton, that's Australia. To California, they brought the wrong species for hardwood harvests, though blue gum's good for sucking up fog. There's an example. Go ahead. No, that's it. Oh, wonderful. I, I, sorry, I thought, Anne was, <laughs> I thought Anne was about to say something. Well, I just said um, that's an example of, uh, you know, something of the place. The eucalyptus, mm -hmm. I, can, I can almost smell them. Mm -hmm. The data what flows we're in right now. Absolutely. Well, I want to read a couple of Bellinas comments just uh, to the to the point of things not lasting forever a couple takes from listeners on on Bolinas as it is now Bolinas has become one of the most self-segregated and entitled communities in the bay area the ideals of the Bolinas poets have devolved into to a community with more in common with the las vegas gated community than a free loving and open society their center did not hold Another listener writes, I find Bellinas a weirdly secluded place. They celebrate their quirkiness, but they don't want outsiders. Was it, all, was it always like that? It seems like 50 years ago, it was more welcoming. And you want to just talk about that, how, how it feels to have seen this place change through time, knowing that nothing lasts forever? Well, it's like everywhere I go. <laughs> frankly, but there's, you know, there's, if you're a poet, there's a kind of, I don't know if it's a spiritual side, you're carrying, you know, carrying some of this through the poetry, you know, you go to his, you go to poetry for the history of places. And um, for me, it's, you know, still very vivid. I mean, I'm very much in the world. I feel like I, I have to exist in, in opposition. I have a poem for Diane de Prima called, This is the Antithesis Reality. You know, we have to keep our antithesis reality going. So it's a reminder. And I think, you know, with, with um, books like, um, what's her name? The Abundant Planet book, Chris's book about uh, what we need to do. We have to sort of reinvent how we're, how we're humans on this globe if we want things to continue. And uh, there's talk of how it won't be the 24, it'll be people coming after <laughs> these holocausts on our planet uh, coming, you know, it's gonna be 2023 20, or the next generation that will take care of things that there's enough to take care of. So, you know, there's something in, there's wisdom within the work and of thinking about a community uh, like Bolinas. And we have to keep these alternative, you know, histories and realities to be inspired to continue in a way and be part of a continuum that's actually working for a very different kind of world, not a gated community that's resembling LA mm -hmm. or Malibu or wherever. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anne. Um, last listener comment, Mike writes, I've lived 30 minutes from Bolinas for more than 20 years. I've always felt like an outsider, gradually, willingly so. Thanks for the term outrider. That perfectly describes the relationship to the place of so many who love Bellinas. My brother, a writer shaman, soldier who was killed in Iraq in 2007, requested that should he not return alive, his ashes be scattered in the surf off Bellinas, which we did in a renegade ceremony. He now rolls in the breakers with Janis Joplin. We've been talking about... The Bellinas literary scene in the 1960s and 70s, we were joined by Ben Estes, editor 
of On the Mesa, an anthology of Bellinus writing, 50th anniversary edition, and the poet, Joel Weishaus, who edited the original anthology of Bellinus Poets, and Anne Waldman, legendary poet. We're moving on to a new segment, but first you have to hear Anne Waldman's absolute 1982 banger, Uh-Oh, Plutonium. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.